Oh, so many things to talk about. The race <laughs> to the midterm elections, the rise of red tide, top Florida's, uh, South Florida's top headlines this week. It's all going to... The Roundtable. <laughs> Let's uh, do some introductions first. With us today, Mark Caputo, Florida correspondent for Politico and author of the daily Politico Florida Playbook. Justin Safey is an attorney and political analyst. He's publisher of the Daily Safey Review and works in Washington with Ballot Partners. Nancy Ankrum is the editorial page editor of the Miami Herald. No one sleeps at all anymore at this table, do we? No, He's very here. busy. Justin, Nancy, Hi. Mark, great to have you come in. Mark, kind of give us a status report here on the governor's race. Uh, where do you think it stands? Tie race, tie race, tie race. Just like the Senate race. Right. It's Florida. Is that like Florida, Florida, Florida. Right. It's, it's Florida, <laughs> top of the ticket races are usually close, and all of the polling suggests that this race and these races are no different. Right. However, um, real clear politics, I, I love the aggregate polling because then you don't have to pin anything on one. But real clear politics is putting, well, within the margin of error, Andrew Gillum up over Ron DeSantis by less than four, 3.7. Mm -hmm. Justin, uh, he was up in one poll nine last week. W what are we seeing this bet? Are the opposition ads taking a toll? How, what do you, set that Well, I think, I think that uh, there was kind of a, a period right after the primary, there wasn't a lot of hardcore campaigning going on, but now we're into yeah. it. We're 31 days in, you're seeing TV ads. I think the events in Washington with Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation, that's having an effect in terms of turnout. And because what we have to remember is a lot of the elections in Florida, when they're decided by one point, which Governor Rick Scott won the last two elections right. by one point over his last two opponents, it's really who makes up the electorate. And I think that's going to really determine who wins this race. Yeah. Well, the Mason-Dixon poll that came out this week, Nancy, seemed to say, if you look down on the lower numbers there, that independents seem to be breaking more towards Gillum slightly. I think that... Uh, if he wins or if he loses, that's where the that's where the election is won and lost. Oh, absolutely. And independents are the growing uh, group of voters in this state, right. and and really, twenty-seven percent of voters in the state of Florida are NPA. Absolutely, no party and, affiliation. Right, and they are in play. They are in play, and this is the group that that each candidate uh, needs to woo. Right. So, with that said. What is now bubbling to the surface, Mark, as the, the def is there a defining issue? Because it usually is the economy, but now we see environment is bubbling up. Yeah. And healthcare. Healthcare. Mm -hmm. Democrats have polled and found that healthcare is the top issue and they're all talking about it. But if you look at the ads, because I like to say, say, okay, where's your money being put? Right. You know, put your money where your mouth is. And what Ron DeSantis is saying and the Republican Party is saying is Gillum, 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 Gillum. Right. They're making this a referendum on Andrew Gillum. Right. So if you ask me the top issue, it's him. And to what Justin had said a moment ago, and to what you had said, is like, yes, independents are important, but there's two ways to look at elections. One is from partisan composition, the other is from race. If this is a contest where the non-white vote starts to resemble what it is in registration percentages, Andrew Gillum wins. If the non-white vote is below those yeah. registration figures, he more than likely loses. Is that a race thing or is that in a part, yes. policy Yeah, it thing? is in part race, I it's think. It's in part. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also, as always, it's going to be turnout. And traditionally, Democrats have lost by just, uh, uh, you know, just so little. And turnout matters. Yeah. You know, uh, Justin, let me ask you, uh, and this is just an impression from being out 
covering the campaigns like uh, Mark does and Glenna. And it, it is that I find the Gillum campaign to be better organized, better advanced. I mean, last night he and Michael Bloomberg were in West Palm Beach. You know, he's bringing in some heavy hitters. Of course, President Trump is going to be yeah. in or <laughs> Orlando mean. tomorrow. Ron DeSantis, I'm not sure if he's going to be there. Rick Scott is going to be there. But overall, I find the Gillum campaign better presenting their candidate than I, I find DeSantis. Well, you know, I think that uh, there, because Andrew Gillum was able to um, kind of win from the outside unexpectedly, conventional wisdom didn't have him winning that right. primary, uh, that generated a lot of excitement, I think, amongst a lot of the Democratic grassroots voters. So I think you're seeing a reflection of that. I think the question for him is going to be um, whether his message, and once we now are in, within 31 days of the election day, you know, once the campaigns and the debates happen, mm -hmm. are Florida voters ready to buy into the Andrew Gillum agenda right. um, and depart from the last 20 years of Republican right. leadership in the state, right. which has gotten us to have the economy and the educational system and everything that we have now? And yep. that's been really, in, I'm sorry, yep. go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, and to Mark's point, the, the ads that Gillum is running, one of the major ads has to do with Medicare for all. Healthcare is a right, not a privilege. Right. And I think that's a big message. Right. He's running a campaign basically on the issues. It does help that for the first time in a while, the Democrats have a personable, um, you know, yeah. people use he's the word He's a very appealing person. Yeah, he's appealing. People use the word charismatic, but uh, that, that sounds a little too, uh, too glib. He's actually very personable and someone you want to listen to. Whether you want to vote for him, though, yeah. remains to be seen. And, and in a way, he's kind of aspirational. If you listen to his speeches and his, his rhetoric, and you know, I mean that as a pejorative, he, he almost, he reminds me of what Barack Obama used to do. And, and DeSantis is more wonky when he's on mm -hmm. the trail. But what's really interesting is last night we got our first look at what his sort of tax uh, philosophy and tax policy might be, and it is completely different from raising the corporate tax rate. He told a group in Tampa that he wanted to actually lower the corporate tax rate. And that's, Justin, that's the whole, you know, crux of the Gillum campaign for education. Was raising the corporate tax was rate. Raising. Right. right, raising the corporate tax rate. Right. right. So, I mean, again, this goes to the whole issue of what I just said earlier is are Floridians ready to buy into the Andrew yeah. Gillum agenda? And I think what you're going to see, too, from the, the DeSantis campaign, there's one part which is the grassroots and the, the, the advance work and the, or, yeah. and the events that they do. But at the same time, a lot we know a lot of this is going to be on air, advertisements that uh, viewers right. are going to see on this channel and other channels. Uh, in term, and I think what you're going to see the Republicans do is try to hold Andrew Gillum accountable for his record as mayor of Tallahassee. Right. It, it mm -hmm. leads to the hurricane, leads the state in crime. There's an FBI investigation going on of yeah. Tallahassee city yeah. government. A lot of Gillum's donors are have been subject to that investigation. Right. So those are the things that are going to become more part of the conversation in the yeah. next 30 days. All right, everybody hold your thoughts. We're going to take a brief break. Back with more Roundtable in just a minute. <laughs> Welcome back. Boy, yeah. during the breaks, we have a lot of fun here, but we are going to go ahead. More uh, Roundtable on the air. Uh, let's talk about the Senate race, Mark. Uh, you were there at Channel 51 Telemundo on Tuesday, as was I, and we watched the debate taped at 11 a.m. and then replayed at 7 p.m. with Spanish. laid-in translations. You know, the fact of the matter is, I thought that uh, Marilis uh, Llanos and Jackie Nespral did a very good job 
of moderating, but who saw it? Phenomenal job, exactly. There's a tree falling in a forest, right? Uh, <laughs> no one was around. They decided to broadcast one of only two debates in the U.S. Senate race, and a very good debate at that, and a fantastically moderated debate it at that, was. in Spanish. And then they webcast it maybe on one or two <coughs> stations or stations' websites in English. I just didn't understand the mindset. Maybe that was part of the rules? Does, does anyone know? Was well, fine, the, but the Senate campaigns have an opportunity to have multiple debates. Right now, right. I hate Two. doing debate about debate stories, but right now it looks like it's Nelson's campaign that is less inclined to want to debate than Scott's. You know, if you, did we all see the debate? Did you watch? I didn't see it. Okay. Mm. Just the, like everybody um, else. It, yeah. If right. you, you know, it, or if you read the news or saw right. the news, Michael right. reported on this, right. it sounded like this is kind of set up to be a race between and I, and I say this very respectfully, you know, the geriatric and the liar. Mm. That's what you, your choice is. <laughs> do nothing. The do nothing in the right. and, and, but, yeah. but neither of those things is a true characterization. Right. right. Well, Absolutely. They're both hyperbole. Anyway. Yeah, they're right. hyperbole. Exactly. And again, the issues just totally get lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to be that guy, but uh, Governor Scott has made a number of untrue statements in his ads. He had nine ads in a row that, were, that had right. falsehoods in them. Right. And... Uh, Senator Nelson has been in Congress for quite a period of time, right. and I can go through my email box. So you're like, saying both are true. Well, there are <laughs> elements of truth to it. Uh, is yeah. I can go through my email box like Nelson proposes bill to do X, and then Nelson proposes bill to do Y, and right. this goes on for years after years, yeah, and they don't I, happen. But then I, again, it's Congress. I get, I get Congress emails too. But, 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 you know, uh, Justin, the fact is that Governor Scott repeatedly in that debate and in his ads is calling Bill Nelson confused which is just a code word for old, out of it, tired, mm -hmm. doddering, get him out of there. Right. Well, and this is the brutality of the campaign season. And you see uh, Senator Nelson basically uh, alleging that Rick, Governor Rick Scott was lied and all the things that he did with his in the past with uh, Columbia Hospital uh, Corporation. But my, here's my contrarian view. Bill Nelson's been in politics in Florida for a long time. Rick Scott's been governor of the state of Florida for eight years. Voters know who these people yes, are. They do. Okay, these are not newcomers to Florida politics. Right. So I think that to some extent, all the campaigning that's going on, I think that may make a difference on the margins potentially. But at the same time, I don't think we're going to learn anything new, if, even if right. we had five debates. These are two, they both have records. People know who Rick Scott is. People know who Bill Nelson is. And now I think the campaigns are both trying to manipulate a a little bit those already established images. Oh, yeah. Okay, well here's why. Let's put up some poll numbers. I mean, those margins are it. That's it. Because That's it. okay, so there is in the Mason-Dixon poll, it shows Nelson 47-46. That's a tie. Um, the real clear <clears throat> politics average is Nelson is up by 2.4. So there's a little bit of a spread, but but still a dead heat tie. So those margins, Justin, are critical. They are critical, but I also think that this, again, going back to my earlier point, the election, when your margins are that small, it's gonna be determined by who shows up to vote. And are the are more yeah. Republicans gonna show up to vote or more Democrats gonna show up to vote? Yeah. And then the X factor is which way do the independents break? All right, well, here's also something, and Nancy, I wanna direct this to you. Your page has, the Miami Herald has endorsed Bill Nelson. Right. The uh, Tampa Bay Times has endorsed him. Uh, the Sun Sentinel has endorsed him. And uh, I have to say, I think collectively, cumulatively, uh, I think those endorsements make a difference. Don't know how much of a difference, but I mean, I, th I thought your editorial was very thoughtful and- Thank you. And critical, <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. you. Know. Um, I think that uh, when you look at the editorials, again, uh, statewide, at least those that went for Nelson, 
they really do a deep dive in the issues. They do. Not yeah. personalities, not even, not necessarily age and, and, and not um, uh, honesty. But they do uh, a deep dive into the issues because there is a real concern that red tide and blue-green algae actually spring from our lack of um, belief in science now that we have seen at the top from the uh, pullback into, uh, from water management Right. Uh, testing, all sorts of things like that. So there are those concerns. We are going to talk all about Red Tide when we come right back. Quick commercial break. Stay with us. Let's pick up a little bit where we left off this week. Red Tide came to Miami-Dade and Broward counties, and mm -hmm. along with the tide came the politics that go with it. Justin. Uh, Nancy was just saying before, red tide, green sludge, we're pinning it all on the Rick Scott administration. Is that fair? Is it true? I don't think it's fair at all. Look, we've had Rick, we've had red tide in the state of Florida for decades. This year centuries, is an especially, maybe. possibly centuries, longer, right? possibly longer. Um, you know, this year it's been pretty expansive, more so in terms of geography, not in terms of length yet, uh, in terms of the length of the red tide. But look, here's the deal. If the economy's going well and you're the, you're the president or you're the governor, you get to take credit for it. And if something <laughs> bad happens, people are going to blame you for it, whether it's fair or not. Um, I don't think it's fair to blame Rick Scott for it, but people want to blame somebody. And if you're in power, that's what that's that's the natural thing. And it's going to get weaponized. If you're someone's opponent, you're going to throw it at them and, and hold, try to hold them responsible. You know what? Red tide is naturally occurring. It usually lasts about a month, you know, three weeks, a month. I think the intensity and the longevity can really be tracked to the fact that the testing is not happening, the water management uh, uh, experts have been uh, defunded, and we are not pay the state has not been paying attention. And the, again, the intensity and the longevity of this is what's really different. And yes, is is hurting that self-same economy. Mm -hmm. And you know, red, red tide. You know, I've, it's great to be a reporter because you learn things that you would mm -hmm. never in a million years learn. And right. this week, we learned a lot about red tide that really never does occur on the East Coast. Right. Uh, apparently, what brought it here was the wind blowing it from the Gulf Stream mm -hmm. that came around from right. the West Coast. But that really has nothing to do with the the green toxic sludge on East Coast. That's a that's a different just sort of mm -hmm. a, you know, a parallel disaster. Right. The common link between the two might be too many nutrients in the water, and this is where Governor Scott is politically vulnerable. In 2011, he and the cabinet were like, how dare you, EPA? We, Florida, control Florida waters. Right. So he decided to own Florida water quality. Right. Now, Scott's pushback is that when it comes to the blue-green algae and maybe to the red tide of the degree that it's fund, or pardon me, fueled by some of these nutrients from Lake Okeechobee is that Bill Nelson has failed to secure Lake Okeechobee funding for necessary the, to the hold dike. the water yeah. so that toxic water, so to speak, is not pushed out. However, the reality is kind of garbage in, garbage out. If right. you didn't have crappy water to put into it, there would be that. <laughs> then there's right. a separate matter about a reservoir in south, south of the lake, south, south of the, the lake, lake right. which Governor Scott has not been to until recently very keen yeah. on. Well, and he has had his excuse me, come to Jesus moment here. Right. But 
A lot of politicians do in election years. Right. So. They do, and look, this is a problem that we need to learn more about. Again, the cause of it is still unknown. There are some hypotheses out there about what is causing it. We definitely need more research. We definitely need more testing. And I think this year, hopefully, will serve as a wake-up call to members of both parties to do it because, as Nancy just said, our economy in Florida, number one industry is tourism, and our beaches are the biggest reason for that. It sounds like Lake Okeechobee and the reservoir has sort of bubbled to the surface of priorities. I know, you know Ron DeSantis, he takes a lot of heat for his environmental voting, but he was one of the people in Congress who um, secured funding, the bill to secure funding for building the reservoir. Right. And so he and excuse me, and he refused to take money from Big Sugar in his congressional campaigns, yeah. which sort of set him apart. So and the initial, he voted his initial against the farm bill with, with subsidies for the sugar industry. Right. Uh, uh, DeSantis' initial campaign, he did get support from sugar, but once he decided to vote against him on the farm bill because of the price supports for sugar, right. he then became persona non grata. So right. where is where is the building of the reservoir? What what can happen? What well, you know what? Florida really stepped up here and got the reservoir approved in record time, the, um, seven months. And it made it to Congress, uh, where it seems to be, it, it's being slow walked on in this water bill. Yeah, but Justin, Rubio, you know? Rubio and Nelson together are, have pushed that, yes. the, yeah. the water bill forward. And I think, you know, more power to them. But if, if, if then-Governor Chris planned to buy out U.S. sugar had not been stymied by Governor Scott and the Republican legislature, yeah. this conversation that, oh, they're doing the right thing, that would have been about eight years earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah but right. there is a point here to be made that the federal, Florida has stepped up. The federal government has not stepped up yet. Yep. And Florida, we're the biggest swing state in the country, mm -hmm. and our representatives in Washington, they need to use their political muscle to get help from the right. federal government because our we taxpayers in Florida have stepped up to, to come up with a solution to this problem. So that'll be priority one for whomever takes the governor's mansion? We'll Hope find so. out. <laughs> all right, great to have you all with us this morning. Thank you for being Thank here. You.